The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Major League Rugby Rant Podcast Show with your hosts, Ty Braga, Scott Ferrara, and Rob Hammerschmidt, who tackle the tough topics relating to Major League Rugby in the U.S. and Canada. This is your premier source of information. You are listening to the Major League Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Well, welcome Major League Rugby fans here one more time for episode three of the Major League Rugby Rant. My name is Ty Braga. I'm your host for today's activities. And joining me, you've got those familiar favorites. You've got the big guy. Of course, that's Scott from the Supporters Club, the uh, Rooney... Gosh, why did I do this again? The Rooster Boosters. Yeah, God damn it. I stared at his face and he was looking back at me. I don't know why this is so hard for me. Rooster? Boosters. Rooster. Rooster Boosters. Rooster Boosters. The big guy from Rooster Boosters. And uh, no, Booster Roosters. No, Rooney Boosters. <laughs> well, rugby fans, once again, thank you for all the support you've given us here at the MLR Rants Podcast Show. So please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel, hit the bell icon for notifications, or follow us on social media. This has been presented by the MLR Fan Zone. Well, here we are to be able to find out some important points. And we have had so much chatter on the Major League Rugby Fan Zone group as this week. We had decided to be able to put it out to you to learn what you guys wanted us to talk about. And with all of your help, with all of those votes on the Major League Fan Zone group on Facebook, we managed to be able to figure out the topic that you wanted to talk about most was fanfare in the MLR. How do we put more bums in seats is the question, the topic of the day. And we're going to hand it over to these titans of uh, our Major League Rugby know-it-alls. We'll figure out at the end of this who has made their the best case and who's the winner of the cup this week. So we're going to start off with our reigning champion. That is, of course, Rob Hammerschmidt. Listen, I think it's important for teams uh, as they develop to develop um, largely around a culture of a city. There are a few teams that do a really nice job at really digging into the culture of the city and using that as a means to create an identity with the club that joins with the city and the fans. Uh, and as I said, one of the probably best examples of that is the Seattle Seawolves. I had the pleasure of uh, meeting Shane um, Skinner, the owner, um, in 2018 uh, at a USA Rugby event. And um, one of the things that Shane really does well is networks in the community, finds out what the Seattle community is all about, um, figures out how to tap in as his marketing team taps into um, the the uh, culture of the city um, and uses that as a piece to really market and bring fans into the stadium. So you see examples of that. They had a, they had a pride night and they actually created and sold the, um, the scarves uh, that had the uh, colors of the gay pride. Um, and from there on out, you saw those scarves being worn. Coming up park. on a minute. Oh, boy. Uh, going into the park um, uh, throughout the rest of the season. It really gave people an identity with the team, as do the colors and as do the Seawolves name. Excellent. Yeah. So you're talking about creating that wonderful atmosphere, the culture around the club, embracing all of those different organizations and, of course, different movements surrounding it to be able to bring that energy into the stadiums. What's your thought? You got one minute, buddy. It starts now. Well, obviously it starts with culture, but another thing it does start with is this. Oh, hold on. <laughs> there we go. 
That sounded yeah. odd. Sponsorship. It's about sponsorship. How do you get butts in seats? You get good sponsors, and you get them to give fans free things. Uh, right, right. Besides, besides that, it's the culture you create, uh, like Rob said, and things like Pride Night, things like Superhero Night, things like Kids Day that Rooney had several times where when the weather was nice, um, MCU Park actually has a children's playground where the kids can go and play during the match, and you can actually still see the field and still see the pitch. The other thing is what you do in the beginning of the season, the end of the season, and the off season. So obviously we know socials are a big part of what the rugby culture is about. And yeah, I you're coming up on a minute as well. Go, okay. Uh, um, big part of, of rugby is the rugby culture. Um, every team seems to be having a, a – the social inviting the fans, whether it's season ticket holders or not, definitely going to go blow go blow by this again. I'm unfortunately probably going to get a card from the sir, but it's <laughs> it's also what you do at the beginning and the end. And I've been given the yellow thank you. Um, it's engaging the fans at a season ticket holder level, engaging the fans at an individual ticket holder level, and engaging fans who aren't seeing uh, uh, or who have not seen rugby as a sport live or as a sport that they follow in the United States. And between the conglomerate of all of that, that's what the actual rugby culture is. And to be honest, it's more of a professional culture, as you could see with the professional teams all around the, the, the country, than it is more of a, I think, a rugby culture. It's a professional sports culture. Right, absolutely. I mean, I agree with all of those points. But an interesting one I'm going to throw back to uh, Rob over here. Who do you currently feel has some of the best culture in their stadiums right now or surrounding the team in the MLR? Bear in mind, you can't be biased exactly to uh, to know that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're wearing the colors, so it's, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, to be honest with you, um, I think in the in the West, it's San Diego. Uh, obviously, okay. obviously, Seattle draws close to seven thousand. I think they they fill up their stadium, um, and they do a great job bringing people into the stadium, especially new fans. But I think uh, San Diego, if there was a, if there was a place that I want to visit and watch a major league game, watch the gold play, it would be in San Diego. Um, and and they, from what I understand. Um, and you talk to fans like Stacy Montgomery, crazy Stacy, she's out there. Uh, you know, they really went out to the, <laughs> I'm sure she'll see this and, you know, throw me a, throw me a curve or two on, the, on, on uh, Facebook, but um, they really reach out to the community. They reach out to and do a lot of um, parades. They do a lot of uh, events. They have players attend mm -hmm. events. I think that's an important thing, getting players in touch with uh, potential fans so that they see a face on the field and begin to make that connection. Uh, you sure. see the, the Legion fans, the actual, um, the cohort, the cohort. Yeah, the cohort. Right, uh, the, these right. people that dress up and they buy it's 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 like Comic Con. You know, it's me, right? They, yeah, they've created an awesome identity for their supporters. Yes, uh, and that whole cohort vibe linked to the Legion sort Love of it. is brilliant. And you know, nine times out of ten, when you see any photographs of the fanfare being taken and shared with overseas viewers and leagues, it's yeah. usually yeah. of the cohort. So they've got brilliant identity that's tied up into it. And a point that I wanted to be able to also address is that you mentioned that, you know, uh, the Taria Stadium is also typically considered to be one of the larger that are available right now in terms of uh, consistent attendance. And they also have an expansion plan to add additional seats in the coming years um, as it ex expands to include many other sports. But I also believe, didn't they host 2018 and 19 MLR Championship Finals? Yes, yes, that's uh, correct. They're obviously being considered for, for as one of those top uh, venues, without a doubt, and it's also probably because of that fanfare. Now, you had well, I, yeah, I mean, weather, also, also, weather, weather. It's also, let's be yeah, honest, it's yeah. a professional, uh, that's a professional uh, answer to say, we, you know, in New York in June, yeah, it's nice, but you might have that off, off weather. San Diego, right. you're really going to have that. Sure, I get that. So, Rob had you know, identified in the West, uh, San Diego. What would you say for the East? Scott, I'm going to ask you there. Um, I mean, I would love, I would love to say Nola gold. Um, I have not been down there yet. I've, I've obviously friends with Rob friends, friends with uh, Adrian Thompson and all that. Nola has a great culture down there. Um, and it's because, and, and this is true for Toronto. This is true for uh, Seattle. This is true for San Diego, true for Glendale. The stadium in which they play in actually plays a major part. Rooney plays right. at MCU Park. It holds like 10,000 people. And unfortunately, because of 
the way you have to put the pitch in this particular baseball stadium, which is used, you don't, it doesn't look like there's a lot of fans. So, and the fans are spread out. So you don't have that tightness that even at the goal, even though the goal line is a baseball stadium, they no longer use it for baseball and they've taken it over for, for rugby. So everybody sits together, Starfire, everybody sits together, Torero, everybody sits on that same side together. And that's kind of how the, you could see that the fan base has developed and created their own culture through the uh-huh. cohort, through doing the socials in, in NOLA uh, with the crawfish and all that. So I think it also depends on where you're actually playing the matches. And as the, the teams develop, they'll get to the place where they'll have that cohesive unit as a, as a fan base. All right. Excellent point there. So talking about attendances, it's an important point. You spoke about the, uh, you know, that experience that you get when you have a closer, uh, more, uh, I would say smaller, but yet greater atmosphere in those stadiums. Uh, and the TV optics is also a very important point. You know, by grouping your fans and having the shot at a certain angle, it's going to appear that it's filled that screen. And uh, that alone for the viewer at home is important. But then again, for that person at the stadium, you want to feel like you're a part of the action. You want to feel like you're in the middle of it. Starfire does a brilliant job. In fact, they, I think, have the uh, the highest occup- uh, sorry, um, uh, attendance by percentage yes. in the league, consistently have. Uh, second to that is probably San Diego, uh, only because they have a larger and more seating. But uh, I think across the entire league, counting 2019 results, because of course 2020 is not really a great evidence of, of what the league could have done in terms of attendance. But 2019, well, I believe they recorded it at as an average attendance across the league of 2,520 people per game. So the question is, what do they need to do to be able to get more people in the stadiums? That's the important point. This is how you grow it. So, Rob, throw us a couple of points. I think two things. Uh, number one, uh, we've been talking culture, 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 but along with that is location, location, location. Um, right. Yeah. You know, we we talk about 2019, and and it's hard to say what would have happened in 2020. But the early indicators, at least from an Ola Gold standpoint, because that's where I, I'm most familiar, is that um, they got to about 900, roughly between eight and 900. Uh, pretty consistently during the 2019 season, they were playing at a high school. But the key is they they were uh, they were on um, the West Bank, and uh, from what I understand, uh, down in Nolan, I haven't been down there, um, but uh, people didn't like to go there. It wasn't a destination. Um, stadiums need to be in a place that people want to go to and attend. And so uh, when they entered this year, their first game back, their first game for 2021, they reached over 3,000. And their attendance for that first game. Now the, the the second and third games dropped off a bit because of Mardi Gras, um, which obviously is a big draw down there. But uh, that speaks to the second piece, which is if specifically with Nola, but I think all teams can learn from this. How do you draw from the local culture so that people want to go and 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 attend a game and enjoy the culture that exists? For Nola, that might mean meaning having Mardi Gras every Saturday or Sunday when there's a gold game in the gold mine. Uh, so you're creating that festival atmosphere. Right, right. Making it something that when you bring a new fan in, right? They, yeah, they don't know a lot about rugby, but they sure as hell had a great time that Saturday and enjoyed themselves, and they want to mm-hmm. go back. I 100% agree with you because we have to understand that sport is also entertainment. You know, of course, it's a, it's a passion. It's all of these things. It can start as a hobby. But really, it has to have a great entertainment value and a well-packaged product. And that's what they have to be able to focus on, each individual teams, because rugby is new to the U.S. They've got an incredibly large sports market to be compared to, and that's what people are going to do. They're looking for what's familiar, but they're also trying to be able to hold on to the rugby identity and what makes it unique. So it's a difficult balance to be able to strike in many ways. So at, you, at the risk of getting a yellow card here, I, I've got to yeah. interject, uh, sir. And and the other thing I wanted to add is I was really impressed with OG. Uh, in D.C., they're playing at Catholic University. Yeah. And um, they don't have a very big stadium. I think it's like 2,000 at the max. Mm-hmm. Here's what I liked, and some fans may disagree with me, but I don't care. They had their seating on one side, but on the other side, they had tents and standing room only. Literally, there were people standing on the side of the pitch. They were 15 feet 
from one of the world's greatest rugby players enjoying the game, getting themselves involved. They felt like they were part of the atmosphere. I don't know that we should lose that as it gets to be a bigger spectator sport in the United States. It's something that creates it. It, it gives us a connection with what club rugby is all about, right? Well, this is something about rugby that is unparalleled in terms of other sports is the access they have to the players. And like you're talking about Beast Matarawira, who of course is a 2019 Rugby World Cup champion and even before that had a great rugby resume. But to have access and be on the sideline, you normally have to be holding a flag or be a coach, you know? (laughs) So it's brilliant. And also not stepping too far into this topic, but they had planned it purposely that way to have the grandstand filled with as many people as possible. And which way was the camera pointed? Right there. You know, they had an attendance, I think, of about 3,000 for their first game. Amazing energy. Uh, And that was what brought in that uh, wonderful atmosphere, that festival vibe. And, of course, the energy was good. Um, Now, Scott, we had spoken about location. We had spoken about culture. Did you have anything else you wanted to add to that? Yeah, because so far all we talked about was what's happening during match day and during the season. And it's also what happens on away matches. Uh, Rooney, for example, has watch parties. We have watch parties in different parts of the states. The players who don't make the trip have show up to the watch parties and they're not told to show up. They want to meet the fans. So I think um, uh, engagement with the players throughout the entire season and the off season is key. Um, Rooney had set up a a whole bunch of parties. They had a kickoff party ready to go. They had a barbecue uh, set up for that first home match. They are, they had already set up a end of the year Q and a session with um, every player invited with with their spouse and all the season ticket holders uh, available. And, Rooney throughout the the off season last year was having watch parties for, you know, the Six Nations tournaments for you know the the other rugby tournaments going on, right. and they were holding these things to keep fans engaged during the off season because it's it is also about keeping the fans you already have engaged. It, obviously, mm-hmm. you want to have new fans, but you also want to keep the people who who have been with you engaged. And I think we have to think outside of match day and outside of the season with that. And you know, that's interesting you say that. Well. And I'm going to interject again. I don't care if I get a yellow card. <laughs> that's okay. A red card. That's okay. Here's what I'm going to say. Uh, 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 Rooney does it right. They have the pig and whistle. And the pig and whistle uh-huh. is a rugby bar. And that's where people – Hey, rugby fans, this is Ty Braga from the MLR Rant Podcast Show. A quick question to you out there. Want to be able to grow your business? Well, you can do that by advertising free with the MLR Rant Podcast Show, and here's how you can do it. Step one, you simply contact us to find out more. We'll share all the options available. Step two, choose the package that works for you. Step three, Get it for free. That's right. We're going to give away a free episode for every sponsorship package. So let us know by contacting us at the MLR Rant Podcast Show.
Hey, rugby fans, this is Ty Braga from the MLR Rant Podcast Show. A quick question to you out there. Want to be able to grow your business? Well, you can do that by advertising free with the MLR Rant Podcast Show, and here's how you can do it. Step one, you simply contact us to find out more. We'll share all the options available. Step two, choose the package that works for you. Step three, get it for free. That's right, we're going to give away a free episode for every sponsorship package. So let us know by contacting us at the MLR Rad Podcast Show. Once again, my name is Ty Brog. I'm your happy host here. And joining me, we have someone very special who is, of course, familiar to you. You might have seen him out there on the field, but now you get to see him in our podcast. We're going to introduce Nick Feeks, of course, from Nola Gold. Now, Nick, thank you very much for joining us here today. You have an illustrious career when it comes to rugby. Originally from Australia, Canberra, I believe made your way across to the US where you had played for about four years for Lindenwood University. During that time, achieving uh, national recognition with the Rudy Schultz uh, Award being a finalist in that category, which is of course a feather in the cap for any rugby player in the US uh, landscape of rugby. But you also went on to be able to be one of the very first players contracted to Nola Gold in 2018 and then in 2019, you also got a really cool record that I researched. You, I believe, were the first guy to get a hat-trick in an MLR game. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Last season, yeah. Yeah, he's being modest. Like, yes, it's true. I researched. <laughs> <laughs> so don't make me look bad, man. I did my research. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I kind of think so. Being modest. I love really? that. We wanted to be able to put you uh, on the spot here, so to speak, in our little game, because we're going to participate in our first player interview, and you are our guinea pig. And to be able to run us through how it works, I'm going to hand it over to Rob. So, Rob, the floor is yours, my friend. Thank you. First of all, before we get going, I, I think I have to. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, don't strip. What is yeah. No, 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 I'm stretching. I'm stretching. I'm not stretching. <laughs> Undercover colors. I like there it. We go. Okay. Right here. All right. Yeah. Um, so uh, here's how this is going to work, Nick. Uh, we're going to fire some questions at you. And during the course of those, you have an option. You can run with a question, which means you get to answer the question. You can kick the question, which is saying you're going to kick the question uh, back to one of us, uh, in which case we have to guess what your answer might be. And then you can do that an affirmative or a negative, or you can pass the question. And basically that means you're not going to, you refuse to answer the question. You're not interested in that question at all. So that's how this, uh, this game is going to work here uh, for the interview. Uh, do you find yourself ready? Yeah, I'm ready, Matt. All right. We're going to go with the first question. Uh, and it, and we're, we're sticking off what we did last week in our, our bit last week about uh, the college versus the Academy program. That's gotten a lot of traction with the show uh, and on the MLR fan zone. So the question is, what track do you think is best for players that aspire to the MLR, not just now, but potentially down the road? The college track or the academy track? Uh, I'll run with this one. Um, in my opinion, I think the, uh, the college route's better. Um, it may take players a little bit longer to crack the MLR in that route, like, you know, your four years. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you don't only gain uh, rugby experience, but you, you get a degree which um, is going to be with you for the rest of your life, not just for your rugby career. So I think that's really important um, and, and very uh, valuable. Uh, I know in Australia, the uh, NRL under-20s used to make all their players that were contracted either do a trade or, or go to university or work um, so I definitely think you can see the value of an education or, um, you know, doing a trade because it'll, it'll set you up for the rest of your life. And uh, with how the HP systems, high performance systems in, in the college uh, landscape are going, you know, you also get to train at a high standard. You know, it kind of blew me away when I came to Linwood, how much of a high standard it was. Um, and the same goes with other other great programs like your Lights, your Davenports, Arkansas State, um, St. Mary's, Cal, all of those. You're training in an almost professional setup. You know, at Linwood, we had GPS trackers. We had reports after every training, how fast we were running, how far we were running. 
Um, and I think, you know, it really set me up to be able to hang in this professional environment and I got to have a, uh, a degree afterwards, which is so valuable. It's kind of interesting, Nick, that you talk about um, that collegiate environment and the training systems because it feeds into one of the questions posted by uh, one of our fans, uh, John T. Reese. Um, he wanted to know how does the MLR training compare to D1A training at LU? Can you elaborate a little bit on the on the regiment, like during the week, uh, the regiment on practice and game day? Yeah, um, so I think the main thing that I noticed – in, in comparing the two is that you are um, by and large held to a much higher standard in the MLR trainings. Um, you know, even with the elite level training programs, you, you have kind of athletes that have just started playing um, rugby in their last couple of years of high school. Um, so you kind of have to hold those blokes' hands a little bit, which is fine. You know, everyone's happy to, to help, um, help out. You know, we're one team at the college level. But at the MLR, you, you, you don't really have that as much. So so that being said, you know, the, the trainings are held to a little bit higher standard by, you know, not only your coaches, but your your other players. Um, you know, on, on the on the NOLA team, we have guys like um, Kane Thompson, Con Foley, Scott Gale, Robbie Coleman, uh, Cam Dolan, um, that have that have been to the highest levels of rugby you can possibly go. So so guys like that really hold you accountable. Um, which is which is great and and I love it. Um, in terms of uh, routine, it's it's relatively similar. Um, you know, just the training times are a little bit different. At NOLA, most of our players are uh, full time, or their job accommodates their rugby schedule. So we'll we'll get up in the morning at about seven thirty, have a training session, um, have a gym session at about eight, uh, nine thirty, go in, have a snack have a meeting around 10.30 and then we'll be off to train at 11.30, 12.00, lunch at 2.00 and then we're, we're done for the day. Whereas college, you know, we'd be in class from, say, 8.00 to 3.00 and then have training and then have to lift afterwards. So um, those are the main kind of differences that, that I noticed. Our, our fans, you might actually know this person, I think, uh, Wesley White, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Wes want to know what your hobbies were. But more importantly, what do you do with your time off? What do you do in terms of, do you have another job? How else do you supplement uh, what you have going on with the rugby pitch? Um, so I'm, as as a lot of the blokes on our team, I'm, I'm quite big on the video games. Don't mind playing those, a bit of FIFA and <laughs> Fortnite. I'm not, I'm not much use at either of them, but I, um, I give it a good crack. Um, outside of that, I, I don't mind reading. Um, autobiographies are my, or biographies in general are my favourite type of book to read. Um, so, I, so I get through a fair few of those. Um, I've just started a little consultancy business um, to help international students um, get over to the US and play a bit of rugby. So that's been taking up most of my free time at the moment. But yeah, those are the three main things uh, that, that keep me busy outside of rugby. Do you want to go ahead and give a plug for your consultancy business? I know uh, that it. Uh, we talked for a little bit um, a few days back um, at uh, just kind of the, the the nature of that business, connecting students overseas with uh, collegiate rugby programs. Yeah, so um, the business is called Strive Athletes Abroad. Um, it's a little startup that I started with uh, a fellow uh, Linwood alumni called Christopher Schumann. Um, so basically the... The idea of it is to help um, international students come over to the United States and play rugby at college. Um, some some colleges offer financial aid opportunities for that. So our kind of business is to connect them with those opportunities. Um, you know, it was a it was an easy enough decision for me to start that up because the the college game, you know, it's given me so much not just in terms of rugby but in terms of life. Um, so I'm I'm pretty grateful for that, and if I can help. Um, hook other guys up with those opportunities. It'd be great because I know it's quite scary trying to, for an international student, um, navigate the landscape with all the recruiting and GPA requirements and admissions and all that. So that was just the idea behind it. Okay, now this next question, you might want to read the defense a bit and weigh your options just to give okay. you a little uh, warning. Uh, <laughs> this this comes from, uh, uh, well, he's a NOLA favorite, uh, his yep. name is uh, Benjamin Haswell, and he, he wants to know, does your mother still dress you 
or do you still pick out your own jandals and wacky shirts? And I see it looks like you're wearing one of those shirts. Uh, yeah, yeah. My, my missus keeps keeps the closet stocked with uh, the fair share of wacky shirts, so I don't have a problem picking those out for myself. Um, it's only one pair of one pair of flip flops as well that I've got, so that's that's not too hard. So I'd say I probably do it myself at the moment. Another uh, fan zone member, Kevin Doyle, uh, wants to know who is your favorite player and why. Um, favorite player ever? Oh, I don't know. I'd, I'd I'd have to go off the off my first instinct, probably a, a James O'Connor. Um, you know, got a bit of X factor, got a bit of spice about him. Um, you know, always exciting to watch, whether it's good or bad. So that's probably my favorite player. Um, favorite player on the team. It's it's. I don't know if I have a favorite player. But um, it's pretty funny to me being able to run around with uh, Robbie Coleman out there um, this year. You know, we, we're both from Canberra. Um, I remember when I was a young fellow or a teenager going to Canberra Stadium and watching him shred shred defenses for the Brumbies. So that's uh, you know, it's just it's just hilarious. Sometimes I have to p- pinch myself um, with some of these blokes that I'm playing with and against, and and it's amazing. You know, that's why I'm so grateful to have this you know opportunity. Um, and so grateful I came over to the States um, because otherwise I wouldn't have it. Good. So uh, on that note of, of on field, um, who is the toughest, who is your toughest opponent uh, in college and in the MLR? The one guy that you like, it it was either challenged to play against him or somebody that you saw looked across and went, Oh, I'm going to have my hands full today. Um, Geez, in college there's been a few. Uh, If I had to pick one, Oh, I'll have to pick two, all right? So, uh, one, Mitch Wilson from Life University, now with the Free Jacks. Um, skinny little fella like me, but just always found himself uh, in the right spot at the right time to break our poor old Linda Wood hearts um, year after year. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he was he was an absolute freak um, at the college level and has carried it on. And then other ones, probably Zach Young from Arkansas State. Um, there were games that we – he's now at Rugby ATL. There were games that we played against him for Ark State where he just had the team on his back, mate. Um, you know, would break tackle after tackle, set all the tries up. Um, MLR, I'd have to say Joshua Vithi, um from the Houston Sabercats the past two years. Um, he's over in France now. And from what I can tell on Instagram and whatnot, he's absolutely carving up. But he was also a one-man wrecking ball. Um, hard to bring down, very aggressive – um, but yeah, he was just an absolute freak as well. So speaking of aggressive, um, how did you get the nickname, the mongoose? Oh, I, I don't really know, mate. Um, Dallin just kind of comes up with those ones on his own. <laughs> whatever, whatever pops into his head at the time and he's, he's taking it and run with it. I don't mind it, mate. It's a, it's a overgrown aggressive rat, uh, which I think describes me, <laughs> describes me to a T on the field. So it's so you'd rather have that than the wombat? Yeah, I think so, mate. Wombats, I don't know. They're, I don't know if they're as, uh, as fitting as the mongoose. Well, uh, Nick, we appreciate you taking uh, time out of your schedule. I know you've got a lot of irons in the fire down there in NOLA with your uh, consultancy business and, uh, you know, trying to stay fit um, during this uh, little hiatus. Um, but again, we sure appreciate you making time out for us here at the MLR rant and we wish you well as, uh, we head into, uh, 2021, my friend. Cheers. Thanks very much, um, for having me on. Sorry. I uh, didn't kick too many of those questions, right? It's hard to stop you talking. Yeah. Scott was waiting for one. You could tell he was pretty ready. <laughs> Apologies, Scott. That's right. He's been kept on the bench. He's used to it. absolutely absolutely well it has been an amazing opportunity to be able to hear from you and i really do of course appreciate and i'm pretty sure that our fans of the mlr fan zone as well as the mlr rant will enjoy it as well and uh we'll have to be able to figure out some tougher questions so you can kick some back next time right (laughs) so we're going to call you back around two at some point my friend sounds good yeah cheers for having me on and um Thanks to all the fans for supporting this podcast and the MLR in general. Um, you know, as a player, we appreciate you all and you're, you're the guys that uh, keep the sport running. So thanks very much. 25 seconds left for the left for the delay. 
how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.